Hey, this is Ali Ballas, and I am a victim of the 2020 lockdown. All joking aside, I just want to hang, and I've heard a lot of people saying the same, and sometimes with people who I don't even know. And as we've come to realize, that is not okay during a pandemic. Even though we can't meet in person, doesn't mean we can't get outside of our bubble. This is about learning new things, stepping outside, and all while staying home. Just because we can't hang, there still can't hang. This week on Can't Hang, I hang with Dr. Sandy Scottnicki of the Bay Dermatology Center in Toronto, who specializes in dermatology, but specifically is an expert in allergic skin disease. She is regarded as the go-to Canadian dermatologist for ingredient reactions and safety, providing her expertise to medical journals, media outlets, and is the author of Beyond Soap. I learned so much this episode, and I think you will too. And now it is my pleasure to introduce you to Dr. Sandy Scottnicki. So I am so glad to have Sandy on this week. So welcome, Sandy. Thank you. Nice to nice to have be here. Yeah, of course. So first things first. Um, I always like to get to know people. So what is the origin of your last name? I'm Ukrainian and Czech, so I feel like it's somewhere over there too. Am I wrong? Yeah, we're we're probably related way back way back then. <laughs> I my uh, my name Scott Nikki is is Polish. My father was okay. born in Poland, came over during the war. My mother um, was Slovak, so I'm a Slovak and Polish. And I think there's a little bit of Ukrainian there. My ma, my dad, uh, my grandmother was uh, had some Ukrainian. Yeah, I feel like all of them are just mixed. Now, at this point, I'm like, you know, reducing it down to the largest portions of what I know I am. Um, but yeah, I definitely recognized your last name as being similar. So, you know, as I grow older, I'm gradually, you know, recognizing the importance of taking care of my skin. And, you know, dermatologists, as I'm told, are going to become my best friends. So, Sandy, I'm so glad to have you here to speak about your specialty and give us some knowledge. So, your practice in Toronto is a pretty big deal. And something I noticed on your site is that your goal is to focus on patient and not procedure. So, so what does this really mean when you say that? Well, I think, unfortunately, um, not to speak ill of my profession, but I mean, yeah. the, the, there's a lot of emphasis now on procedures, right? Mm-hmm. And when I graduated to date myself a little bit, I'm, I'm 54, their Botox had not even, it was just at the onset. You know, okay. that's 24 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, dermatology is a branch uh, of internal medicine. I mean, you know, it's not, it's not, uh, you do eight years, you do four years of medicine and four years of dermatology. So there's so much more to dermatology than just procedures, right? right? We, we see patients with chronic skin disease. Uh, of course, there's acne and warts and all that stuff, but we see very complex people. My interest is allergic reactions to skincare. I see people who have like severe, severe problems. So the procedure part is, you know, and if you're going to, I always say to patients as they're getting older, it's often women, but there's a lot of men now as well, um, that you, you want to do something because it bothers you, not mm-hmm. because you read in a magazine that you're supposed to start doing this at age 30 or you're supposed to start doing that or you're supposed to start doing this. 
Mm-hmm. And so you focus on the patient. What does the patient want? And, you know, so I saw a lady yesterday and all she wanted was the bags under her eyes gone. And I said, I can't help you with that. So you need to see an eye doctor and have them removed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's too many doctors who would say, okay, I'm going to give you this. I'm going to give you this. I'm going to give you this and not actually deal with, with what her problem is. So you don't want to focus on the procedure, you focus on the patient. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, no, I think that that's something that is, you know, becoming so self-aware. I think that's, you know, with introspection becoming so big in the last, you know, couple of years, I think that's so important to be able to like, look at yourself and like, know what yourself wants, not, not because of like, you know, what someone else is doing or whatever. So I think that that's so cool and so important. I guess your practice or your specialty, I should say, is allergic skin disease. So what exactly does this mean? Is this just skin allergies or or I know like a lot of allergies have to do with like skin reactions. So what exactly does that mean? Mm-hmm. Well, it's complex, but um, <laughs> we'll, I'll try to break it down uh, just like I would if I was speaking to a patient. Um, right. So allergy, there's there's really two main types of allergies, if you want. And and so many people use the word uh, as a default, and it's got nothing to do with allergy. But just to discuss the two, I like to just discuss peanuts and poison ivy, the two peas. Okay. So if you're allergic to a peanut um, and you eat it, you can have swollen lips, uh, anaphylaxis, which means your blood pressure drops. You could die. It's serious. Or you can get hives, like well. Right. If you're allergic to poison ivy um, and you touch it, you get a contact dermatitis, you get an itchy rash, it can even be blistery. Now, consequently, if you eat poison ivy, you won't have any problems because the allergy that is internal that you ingest is very different than an allergy that touches you. And um, so, yeah, a lot of people get that mixed up. So they come in with a dermatitis and they say, it's from my food. And I go, no, uh, foods give you... Um, swollen lips, anaphylaxis, hives. But if you have a dermatitis and you're allergic to something, it could be from um, an ingredient in the product that you're using. And and it's not a well-known concept um, in the general public, although it's starting to become more well-known, but it's Mm -hmm. also now becoming even more confusing because people talk about toxicity. So Mm -hmm. something that's toxic in your skincare won't necessarily give you a rash uh, and then the reverse is true. So if you're allergic to um, poison ivy again, it's natural. It's a plant, but it'll mm-hmm. give you a bad rash. So the the concepts are so confusing to the general public. That's partly why I wrote my book was to try mm-hmm. to explain what actually is allergy to skincare. What does it look like? What is it caused by? And allergy to skincare in general is very low. It's only about 2% because, you know, skincare isn't, it's not a, complete wild wild west there's some regulations mm-hmm. um but what happens a lot to people when they react to their skincare they're not actually allergic to it they're getting irritated which is a completely different problem okay. and it's just but people always say i'm allergic i can't i can't use stuff and i go no no you're not allergic you're intolerant you're reacting to it um, okay so there's a difference between this was actually one of my questions so this is good so there yeah. is a difference between having like quote unquote sensitive skin and having an allergic yes. reaction Yes. So most people's sensitive skin, they're not allergic to things. They just can't tolerate them. Now you could have a true allergy, but they're less common. Mm -hmm. And, um, and you may say, why does it matter? Because they're treated extremely differently. And that's why, that's why it bothers us as dermatologists. So people say, I'm allergic to this. No, you're getting, 
irritated or intolerant. Um, and then, uh, so if you're really allergic to something, every time you use it, you're going to have a rash. It's going to be really bad. And it's going to last for days and days and days. If you put something on and you get a burning or a stinging, that's not allergy. And oh. so the bigger question is, the bigger question, one of the, again, the reasons I wanted to write my book is sensitive skin now is reported through epidemiological studies that are actually pretty decent uh, to be about 40% of a cultured or westernized or um, society that's industrialized, right? So cleaning, mm-hmm. washing, in, in plumbing, and all that kind of stuff. So oh. why, how is it that 40% of the world feels they have sensitive skin? It's not genetic. It's because we use too much stuff. <laughs> we oh. use too much stuff. We wash too much. We double cleanse. We use a serum. We use a mask. We use this. We use that. And then, and and then you get you get sensitive, and you're like, well, well of course you are. So mm-hmm. if you use like the average woman uses ten products, each product has thirty ingredients. That's three hundred ingredients your skin has to deal with. Wow. And so sensitive skin's not allergy, and it's a that's again um, why I wanted to explain the difference and empower the consumer. Mm-hmm. to understand it and because you can't like when people think they have a reaction or they're allergic they're gonna oh, i'm gonna go more natural or, or they go get another product mm-hmm. the thing is is to get to do less and that's right that's kind of goes against most people's um they like skin people like skincare so mm-hmm. um, it's a it's a very challenging topic and that's again why i it's hard to explain it even in an hour <laughs> podcast that's why i wrote a book yeah of course so with that being said, is there like any products that you see on an ongoing basis that give people allergies or are more susceptible to allergies that we could like watch out for, you know, in our daily lives? So to break down the science and the published actual uh, science, because that's what mm-hmm. you want, you know, you don't want just of course. Um, so there was just a published paper in October of 2020 in the Journal of American Academy of Dermatology, looking at uh, the fact that the uh, uh, true allergy and irritation to skincare, personal skincare and hair care, has increased over the last decade. And then you're, to answer your question, what are the things that are causing allergic reactions and irritation reactions? The number one, fragrance. Oh, okay. okay so, so fragrance is the number one cause of both true allergic reactions and irritation to skincare. And, you know, when you say fragrance to somebody on the side of the street, they're like, synthetic, right? Oh, my God, that's bad. No, most fragrances come from plants. Mm-hmm. Most fragrances are, are naturally derived. And so, again, it goes against this concept that natural is better. The most common reason for people to have reactions is fragrance. And it's the most commonly used ingredient in skincare. And I would tell you that 99% of hair care is fragrance. And hair care causes a lot of facial problems because people don't realize that their shampoo goes over their face. And actually, in that study that was just published in October, one of the main uh, personal care products that were causing both allergic and irritant reactions to skincare were actually hair care products. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Wow. Which you're right. The average consumer, you would never guess that. And you think that it would be so, so maybe I realized that my shampoo was going across my face, but I I wouldn't consider it to be a problem, right? Until Mm -hmm. studies like this come out. Right. What, well, I've known this for years. One of the most oh, wow. yeah. to have to have recalcitrant eyelid dermatitis. 
and this is your shampoo. So I'll see people, because this is my area of interest, who come to me from other dermatologists or other allergists. And the patient says, you know, I get rashes on my eyelids. I get some irritation on my neck. Sometimes I have patches of burning and dryness on my cheek. Some days I'm good. Some days I'm not. And I've changed all my stuff. I've changed all my face stuff. And I said, have you changed your shampoo? And, you know, they're using like Aveda or some organic mumbo jumbo that has like 50 fragrances in it. And, you know, your scalp is actually pretty resistant to rashes um, from, from chemicals. That's another conversation, but it, it can over time get irritated. But your face will light up like a Christmas tree, you know, in mm. particular, your eyelids and your neck. Okay. So and is that because they're more sensitive skin or is it just like another reason? Yep, you got it. It's, it's yeah. thinner. So okay. the, the skin on the eyelids is the thinnest in, uh, on the body. Uh, the next would be the, the vaginal area, the, the groin area, the, you know, in men. Mm. Um, and then um, your neck. Although I haven't personally gotten the chance to read your book, I've done some research into the topics you cover. And I mean, they're listed on your website. So that's been great to look into it. But can you give us like a good like elevator pitch of your book Beyond Soap? Like what what type of co- topics you cover um, in your book? So the book um, is the reason I wrote the book was to explain um, why people have reactions to skincare because there's so much confusion, right? So the, mm-hmm. the elevator pitch is um, there has been an increase in reaction to personal skincare and hair care. The majority of it is not allergy-based. It's from irritation. I talk about the uh, business side of beauty, how washing ourselves every day and washing our hair and using multiple products has very little to do with health and has to do with mm-hmm. social norms. Okay. And the fact that the fact that uh, we've done these things over the last 150 years, like indoor plumbing, really in the U.S. is 1940, mm-hmm. and same with Canada, um, we've seen an increase in uh, asthma, hay fever, eczema, and because our skin is like a brick wall and a barrier, and if we if we disturb it, which we do with washing, um, we've actually created disease. And oh. so I talk about the history of that, and I try to explain. And it's very interesting because people will go, well, I really thought that when I wash myself, it's a good thing. And no, it's, it's not, actually. It removes oh. odor and mm-hmm. it, it's a social norm, but it's actually not healthy. And so people will read this and go, wow, I didn't really, really didn't understand that. Mm-hmm. And then I come full circle to sort of say, what do you want to do? I look at what I actually break down what in um, on the back of that bottle, when you see all those crazy names, what in there is actually problematic? And we're not talking about toxicity again. We're talking about things that give rashes. Okay. And then um, I talk about the microbiome and the sort of the, the where skincare might lead and, and health might and just medicine is leading. Mm-hmm. And and then I end off with sort of minimal skincare, what you actually need, where the science is uh, to have a beautiful beautiful skin. So right. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, it sounds great. Uh, I think it it is like surprising when I first read about it. I'm like, oh, wow. Especially, you know, being in a pandemic, I'm like, oh, interesting. Okay. So there is, like you say, I think, I don't know what the exact quote was, but you know, like all soaps are cleansers or there's a quote that you say. Um, and you know, it's just interesting to think about that. These things that you think are, are proper and making you squeaky clean are actually Mm -hmm. can be doing more damage. Right. So I'll just, I'll just tell you, I'll just tell you that quote it's, uh, soaps are cleansers, but not all cleansers are soap. Yes, exactly um, what I was thinking of. (laughs) 
I can elaborate there why it's yeah. important. Um, our skin is a pH of um, four to six, which is on the acid side, so acidic. Okay. And any true soap is made uh, with lye, most typically, and lye is alkaline. It's a pH of 12. So a soap bar is very damaging to your skin's pH. And you may say, well, what does that mean? What does that, why does it matter? Well, because your skin, in order for your skin to be healthy, it needs to have a proper pH. We also now know that the skin microbiome, these millions of bacteria and other organisms that live on us, on our skin, and serve a function, in particular in training our immune system when we're young, um, need an acidic environment. So if you use a real soap bar that's pH of 12 and your skin's pH of 5, it's very detrimental to the the, the, the sort of barrier, the the, the 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 function of the skin. It can't function well, and okay. it also damages the microbiome. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Wow. Okay. That's, and you know, it is common. And I think the one thing that I find so interesting is, is reading books like yours, which I hope to read in the next couple of weeks and um, like finding out that all these things that we've grown up with, whether it's, you know, soap, shampoo, like knowing like every day, like, so I guess full disclosure. So I have oilier hair that I swear like gets greasy after like 48 hours of not washing it. So I can go like two days before washing my hair, but like, is this too much shampooing? Like, it's just like all the things that we, you know, go day to day of our whole life thinking is just normal and, and you know, the norm of of what everyone does uh, is just being disproven. So, you know, is this too much or can this be damaging um, my hair or like my skin? Okay, so um, yeah, shampooing is a, is a tough one, and and even just washing. So the you know the con- there's been lots of articles. It's even made mainstream, like New York Times and the Atlantic. And mm-hmm. do you shower every day? Do you need to shampoo your hair every day? So the answer is for your health, no. Okay, but okay. then again, I already said that social norms, like nobody wants greasy hair, no one wants body odor. Mm-hmm. So, you can you can um, shower uh, very quickly and just wash your underarms and groin or feet, right? Because um, you your body isn't dirty, you don't need to lather up, and you can possibly wash every other day if if you're okay with that. But some people have get sweaty and smelly, and they have to. That's fine. As far as the hair goes, everyone's hair is different. Some people have curly hair, some people have limp hair. They need to wash more frequently. It's there's no normal. And there's no correct. It's what's correct for you. But the the, the um, bigger question in the background is you don't need to clean your hair or your body if it's not dirty. And like I'll see men who are itchy in the winter and I say, do you shampoo your hair every day and shampoo your body? They wash your body head to toe. Well, yes. And as soon as I get them to stop doing that, they're no longer itchy or dry and their skin is healthier. I mean, a guy with short hair doesn't need shampoo every day. And, he, and, and then you kind of, they kind of look at you like you've got two heads. But isn't that what I'm supposed to do? Who's told us we're supposed to do that? Mark, yeah. Marketing, consumers, and the beauty industry. Not medicine. Mm-hmm. So, again, the, the differentiation between the two is important. Now, is it a bad thing to wash your hair every day or every second day like you're doing? Not if you don't have a problem. You know, I actually discovered dry shampoo as an aside, as a beauty aside. There, I, I discovered dry shampoo. I, I probably was the same as you, but I wash my hair now twice a week and use dry shampoo. It's healthier. 
I think it's healthier. Unless you have bad dandruff or you have psoriasis of your scalp. So again, there's no normal, but ask yourself, do you need to do this if you're not, if it's not dirty? You need to do it because your hair gets limp. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then there's these people who don't don't shower, don't wash, and haven't used soap and shampoo in six months, and then they say their skin and hair normalizes, right? Because when you when you wash yourself with detergent, whether it's your hair or your body, you remove natural oils, right? That's that barrier I was talking about. Mm-hmm. So you have to replace it, and we replace it with conditioners, right? And mm-hmm. so you would have you, you you know if you didn't do it for months and months, would things normalize? I'm not so much believing in that because people have oily scalp and they get dandruff and you have to wash it. But again, um, not so much you, but the guy who has short hair, who his hair is totally perfect, but every day he washes it, right? Because he's been told by marketing, that's what you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's interesting. And sorry, I know you touched on dry shampoo. So is there a difference between, you know, quote unquote, like washing your hair with dry shampoo or like using dry shampoo um, compared to using like, I guess, for lack of a better term, like wet shampoo? Is there like a difference on what it would like beneficial, more beneficial or... Yeah, dry shampoo. I guess it's a. It's not a really great word. It it's, should be just a spray that makes your hair less oily. I mean, it's not. Okay. It's not doing anything. Most dry shampoos have talc or some oatmeal or some something that helps it wick away a bit of the the oil and the sebum and the sweat. So it just it and uh, it's not cleaning anything per se. Although I'm not a dry shoe ex, a shampoo expert, I don't really know how they work. I just know that they. They make my hair look less oily and I have to shampoo less often, which I like because I just don't think it's healthy for my scalp. I don't, it, we haven't even talked about the um, carbon footprint of all that stuff going down the drain, mm. um, all the water. I think there was a study in the UK um, that uh, you know, people shower so much and bathe so much, the, 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 the amount of water that we use like in, mm-hmm. and there's countries that don't have any water, you know, and we're mm-hmm. just having the 15 minute showers every day when we don't need to, that's a whole other discussion, but Absolutely. Um, yeah. 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 No, I think that's so important to think about too. Not even just on a personal level on like a, you know, like you said, like a huge grand scheme of things, like, is it really that important um, when we're wasting all these natural resources? But I guess the question of the moment, I've seen a ton of, you know, companies and, and brands coming out and saying, you know, our, our hair care or our skin care is paraben free. So like, what exactly does this mean? And like, is this good that it's paraben free? Is this like not good? Like, I don't even know what, I'm assuming that it's probably better to be paraben free. Um, but what even does that mean? Oh, that's a loaded question. I oh, mean, it is. Okay, sorry. No, no, not at all. I'll answer it. I'll answer it. So um, I have to give you a little bit of background. So okay. parabens are, um, there's many different types. There was 20 plus. Now there's only a few that are used. They are ingredients put into skincare, hair care, and food, by the way, to help preserve, to decrease the growth of bacteria and mold and organisms. Oh. So um, parabens uh, are naturally occurring in the environment uh, to a certain extent. You know, plants protect themselves from mold and bacteria as well. Mm-hmm. Um, there are, because there are so many different types of paraben uh, ingredients, uh, separate chemical structures, some of them bind estrogen more. So if you bind estrogen more, 
which is a female hormone, there's this um, concern that it may have some sort of, if there's more estrogen hanging around, um, does that increase your risk of breast cancer or other gynecological cancers? So that so that the question that's the question, um, and the uh, various societies in Europe and North America have looked at the estrogen binding activity of, of various paraben preservatives. The ones that bind estrogen more readily have been discontinued in the marketplace, okay. um, and the ones that bind estrogen very very lightly uh, are still being used in very small quantities in skincare. But the problem is, is uh, with this new sort of social media and influencer and all this kind of stuff, your, your um, ingredients or people, this cancer culture are vilified um, in the, the court of public opinion, even though the science is not strong. So mm. people don't want parabens the public and the consumers don't want parabens, even though we've said, we've explained all this stuff, there's 20 kinds, we only use the two that buy, we only use a small percent, they don't care. Yeah. So, but so parabens will be phased out as a preservative um, over the next 10 years because the public doesn't want it, doesn't want to buy it. Is that the right move? I think, I think the, if COVID's taught us anything, if you're, if you're, you will invent new and better ways of doing things because you have to. And mm-hmm. so even though the, the, the science isn't strong that some parabens and small concentrations aren't problematic, the public doesn't want it. So we have to move on and we're going to mm-hmm. move on with better preservatives. We're going to use pH for instance, so we can lower the pH of a product because bacteria don't grow in acidic pH. We can formulate new types of preservatives that are safer. So, you know, it, it will push the industry to, to be better, I think. But mm-hmm. putting paraben free on a package now is a marketing play. So, oh, okay. For the, for the most part. Yeah, no, I always see it. And I, I like think I know, like, I've, like, I do have a good idea that it was like preservatives, but then I'm like, asking someone like you is just so much more beneficial because, you know, you're right. When you go online, it's like, oh, par- look for anything paraben free, like anything. And I'm like, okay, but but maybe it doesn't have parabens, but what else does it have to like compensate for the fact that there's no preservatives? Is this good? Is this bad? So it's not that there's no preservatives. They're using okay. different, yeah. different ones. Okay. Interesting. And, and it actually, the one of the different ones they used uh, starting back in the um, oh, sort of 2012, 2013 was they started to use a preservative more frequently in place of parabens called methyl isothiazolone. We, we, okay. short word, we short formed the word MI. And what happened was MI became extremely allergic to, to many consumers. And there was huge, huge reactions to this preservative, all because the manufacturers had to find a different preservative instead of paraben, which was Still a good preservative and very safe, but the public didn't want it. And so sometimes you create more problems, right? Mm-hmm. Um, MI is still being used in products. It's very problematic if it's used in high concentrations. And I've had many, many people have uh, huge reactions that have ruined their life for like sometimes months at a time until we figure it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is interesting because, yeah, like it's such a tricky topic and it could apply to really anything. But I find it interesting in in what you just described. You know, you're you're prescribing something to be improved when 
doesn't need to be, and it causes more problems. You know, you see this in a, in a lot of aspects of, of technology and, and different areas. So, wow. That's interesting. And, you know, the general public might not even have, well, likely they don't have a good understanding of, of what they're eliminating in, in favor of this new. No, no, they don't. And, and, um, and it's such a noisy uh, area now, like there's, everybody has an opinion and, and uh, like, again, with the social media, it's just, it's just constantly bombardment of, you know, and now the now the chemistry and on the talking, like we had we had the doctors, and now we have the I mean, we had the influencers with without the science background. Now we have the chemists chiming in, and you know, mm-hmm. some lab muffin uh, woman who, who talks about all the ingredients and a lot of great information. But again, it's just information overload, and people don't even know what to believe or do anymore. And again, exactly that's why I wrote my book. (laughs) Yeah, it totally, like, it puts you almost as a consumer in, like, paralysis. Like, okay, so I don't even know what to do. So the products I've been using have been fine. So I'm just going to stay with them. And and then you just kind of are in this total paralysis where you don't, you don't do anything. You don't look into things. You don't change. You don't, like, make an effort to, you know, do your research. You just, cause you don't know even what's right and what's wrong, what's up or what's down. Um, when there's so many opinions, um, coming in and you know what, so many of them are powerful, but so many of them are, you know, to sell or, or a marketing or you're right. Like an influencer who is so many of them, most of them, all of them. I mean, (laughs) yeah, business beauty is the fourth largest business in the world. And I mean, I think projected for 2025 is a $700 billion industry worldwide. Um, And you're not, we're not selling health. We're selling self-care, self-love, beauty, which again, there's nothing wrong with that. And I'm not, Mm -hmm. I'm not one of these people who don't wear lipstick and don't wear nail polish. And I dye my hair, but I, I also, if I have a problem, the, the biggest issue is when people have a problem mm-hmm. and when they have a problem, like an intolerance, they get a rash or they get a burning or they, they go, that's it. I'm not going to use any more. Uh, I'm going to go natural. I'm not doing anything toxic. I'm going to go for the clean beauty, which is another marketing term. Mm-hmm. And they still have problems because mm-hmm. it's not about toxicity. It's not about something being clean, something that gives you, uh, cancer won't necessarily give you a rash, right? I mean, poison ivy gives you a rash, and it's the most natural thing in the world. It's a plant, right? Mm-hmm. Um, arsenic's natural, so so just because it's natural doesn't mean it can't give you a rash. But the concepts are different when people have problems; they want to go more natural. And again, it's all this misinformation. They don't they do too much information or, or disinformation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I think that's, well, you know, it's telling of, of the politics and everything that we've been facing. So it's not surprising that there's a ton of misinformation and, and disinformation and all the above in any, in any industry. So is there anything that like people you would like love for like just the average population to know about product wise, or like, are there any recommendations you have for, you know, quote unquote natural products. Right. So so a couple of things just because the audience is younger. Um yeah. a couple of misconceptions. So the first misconception I think is that moisture you need a moisturizer and it's going to decrease your aging. So that's false. Okay. Mm. Um, there's no study to show that moisturizing your face 
um, decreases wrinkles. Just a basic oh. moisturizer, okay? Uh, you want to use a moisturizer if you feel dry, okay? If, if it makes you feel good, you like the smell. Again, self-care, right? But mm-hmm. don't don't get th- fooled into thinking, like, you know, you see young people with acne and they're like, I got to use a moisturizer because, you know, I'm 20 and I don't want to get wrinkled. Like, there's no evidence to that. Mm-hmm. Um, the only skincare, like on the very rudimentary thing that you need, we're talking now aging and, and maybe beauty, other than a cleanser, a pH adjusted cleanser, non soap bar to wash your body. But I would suggest wash your bits. Um, a shampoo that, uh, if you don't have any issues, use whatever shampoo you want. But if you have a tendency to get red face or irritated eyelids or um, mm-hmm. just have reactive skin, you try to find fragrance free shampoos. And that does not mean. Um, synthetic fragrance that means organic fragrance as well okay and, and again if we talk about aging and basic skincare the only thing you need is a cleanser at night to take off makeup and pollution um mm-hmm. and uh sunscreen after that yeah, sunscreen in the morning after that everything else is the science is small and you know it, when you're in your 30s you might want to start retinol or a peptide um or an antioxidant and but a lot of it's marketing, and mm-hmm. so so that's just some sort of general general thing. Oh, I know what else I wanted to mention. Just because <laughs> okay. because this audience is young, Stack, yeah. stacking of products. Oh okay. yes, okay, yes. So, so um, you know which order, which first, double cleanse is that. So first of all, again, all you need is a cleanser and a sunscreen, right? So anything you add after that is technically especially when you're young, not necessary. As you get older and you get some wrinkles and you get some brown spots, yes, you want to add stuff. But if you stack too many things, like the Korean 10-step thing, that causes more rashes and more people to become sensitive. Because again, if you if you think about, if we just say each ingredient has 10 product, 10 ingredients, each product has 10 ingredients, you use 10, you use 10 products. That's a hundred ingredients, right? And most products don't have 10 ingredients. They have north of 30. So if you use 10 products together, that's 300 ingredients. Your skin has to, they actually have to deal with that. Your skin has to deal with that. So is it necessary for your health? No. Um, is it fun? Yes. To a certain extent. Um, but if you're having an issue, that's the first thing you've got to stop is the stacking. Okay. I was just, I actually personally, like I, I feel like my skin is always the best when I literally just cleanse it. So I think that that's funny that you bring that, not funny, but like accurate that you bring that up for like a young person. Like I, you know, everyone's gifted or like gifting me skincare or whatever. And it's like, okay, the more I use it, like the more I break out or the more like poor my skin looks and then I'm wondering like why am I breaking out why am I breaking out and it's you know you got to (laughs) just hit the basics almost so yeah Yeah. and that's I talk a little bit about that in my book too I talk about a product elimination diet now the diet is a play on words so you basically put your skin on a product diet right so I give you a list of recommended things which are fragrance-free formaldehyde-free mi-free um, that's that crazy preservative I was talking mm-hmm. about. And you kind of do a reset. So you, you, you use just two or three products, no fragrance, synthetic or organic, reset your skin, settle it down, and then try one product per week and, and find the group of products that works for you. 
Mm-hmm. Um, that's much better than you. So you're having a problem. You go to the drugstore, you go to the beauty counter, and you get five more products. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, or you're having a problem, you're having an issue and you're like, I'm going to go natural. Um, mm-hmm. so it's the, that's again, partly why I wanted to, to inform the public with the book is that natural products are still fragranced. Um, multiple products are a problem. Uh, allergies actually rare. It's mostly the stacking and the multiple things and the whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. so uh, yeah, it's, uh, Wow. Well, I can't read, I can't wait to read your book. So, um, for those of us who are interested in purchasing your book, like, is it available pretty widely, like everywhere, like Indigo and, and Amazon stuff like that? Yeah. Well, this is the exciting part. It's now available in Russian and Czech, Czech. It's, it's, it was published in Czech Republic and Czech published in Russia just, uh, just, uh, in summer. It is available oh, wow. at, um, Indigo, uh, it's on Amazon. It's on Google Play. It's at the library. Apparently, there's multiple copies. You can you can sign out at the library, although there's some holds on them. Apparently, okay. <laughs> uh, so it's very widely available. There's okay, no awesome. Audio, unfortunately, I wanted. There's to no which. Sorry. There's no audio, which is unfortunate. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, and I feel like you know it's stuff like that. It's kind of nice to have, personally speaking, it's nice to have a physical copy because, you know, you can write in it, you highlight it, whatever you need to do, quick reference it. Um, so yeah, I'm really excited to read that. And I think this sounds like something that's, you know, right up my alley. And as a young person, I'm, I'm excited to hear that I don't need to spend a bajillion dollars on a 10 step routine. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Well, you don't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> For you know, sure. Uh, the pushback I have had with the book is like, well, I don't have any problems, Dr. Skarnicki, and I don't have any rashes, and I like products, then go for it. But mm-hmm. um, but if you want to have like the real story or the real information on the science behind it, then then I will provide that for you. Um, if you and then if you do ever have a reaction. Um, then you know what to do. There's one actually one point I really did want to make, although it is a younger population, but um, kids. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, do whatever you want as an adult, use as many products as you want. But the science with children is that they do not, if they're healthy and they have no skin issues, you don't need to bathe them every day. You certainly don't need to put all that chemical, like whether it's natural, lavender is still a chemical, right? Mm-hmm. That's the thing that drives us crazy as dermatologists. I mean, it's still chemical structure right um right. you don't need to throw them in the bath every day you don't need to soak them head to toe they don't need mango uh, shampoo they don't need bath bombs once in a while mm-hmm. it's fun again self-care fun but if you train your your kids that they need less of this um because the teenagers the tweens are, are the big, are big consumers mm-hmm. of a lot of this and uh, especially all this sort of misinformation and um you know, wanting to have the latest whatever. And uh, it's, again, it's marketing. Um, And it's tough. It's tough to break that unless you as the parent kind of steer them a little bit. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for mentioning that because it always is, you know, you want to do the best for your kids, no matter, you know, what you don't know what's going to be best for them. And maybe cleaning them every day is the best for them. And, and it can be so difficult. So Thank you for adding that. Um, it was so great to speak with you today, Sandy. And of course, um, for listeners, you can find her uh, book on, you know, Indigo, Amazon, as we mentioned. Um, so yeah, I'm definitely going to check it out and post a review on my Instagram page whenever I'm done it. So thank you so much, Sandy, for your time. 
Thank you very much for having me. And good yeah, of course. I'm Alia Ballas, and you have been listening to Can't Hang. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you loved today's show, please subscribe and don't forget to leave a rating and a review. Visit canhang.simplecast.com to check out all the incredible people I've interviewed and who's coming soon. Much love goes out to all those who have been posting about Can't Hang on social. Please tag me in your posts at Can't Hang Pod and please continue to send me suggestions of who you'd love to see in future episodes. I have an incredible lineup, but I'm always looking for people outside my bubble. Please tune in next Thursday and hang with me and my next guest. This show is produced by me, Alia Ballas, and the music was created by Quan. <laughs>